right, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4 again. We'll start there. I'm not promising that we'll stay there long, but um, I enjoyed this morning. Didn't get through the outline. And sometimes uh, since we've had this pandemic, I've tried to put the outline on the wall. I've never preached off the wall before. Always preached from the Bible, amen? And uh, this is a little strange, and sometimes you want to stay by the outline too much. Um, but um, thank God for outlines. Because if I didn't have outline, I'd probably preach on a soul one in every service. And then, too, I'd probably preach forever. And so you better thank God for the outline. But I'm talking about tonight the hindrance of worship. Uh, and one of the greatest privileges we have is prayer. Prayer. I think it's one of my weakest parts of my life. And every time I preach on prayer, I get under conviction. i got three fingers pointing back at me and one pointing at you. But communication is important. Notice there's a lot of couples here uh, today, uh, young couples, just got married, some that's going to get married soon, and some that um, is still up in the air, I guess. But, you know, amen. Uh, took me four years to get the courage up to say yes to my wife uh, proposing to me for four solid years, but I finally gave in. Uh, that's, that's not true, amen. I just saw her back there, amen. I thought she was with the baby. But, uh, you know, communication is important. Say amen. Uh, I like to tell a lot of humor at our couple's retreat. And by the way, we checked out the place. Somebody had to do it. So we took a survey trip for two days. And we was really, uh, uh, we're snow chasers. I don't know if it snows up in West Virginia or not. We're going to come see if it does. My wife loves snow. She just loves it. Uh, we could never go to Florida. There's just no way. Oh, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. Petty, stand up, please. Mr. and Mrs. Petty. Pe Mr. and Mrs. Petty. Stand up. Okay, God bless you. Maybe sit down. Oh, you want to give them a hand? Okay, that's good. Amen. We're, we're excited about them just getting married last Saturday, and uh, they're now husband and wife. Amen. They don't need a chaperone on the bus ministry anymore. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. But uh, I, I try to put a lot of humor in the, uh, the uh, meeting. Uh, to break the ice because we're six hours of teaching. And here's one of my favorite jokes. I thought I'd give it to you tonight before we started preaching because some of you look like you need a real good laugh. Amen? Or at least a smile. Amen? Yeah, Brother Steve likes that. But uh, a lady went to her pastor because she wanted a divorce from her husband. Now, if y'all have heard this, act like you hadn't. Amen? <laughs> and during the counseling, uh, he asked her, do you have any grounds? And she said, yeah, three acres outside of town. You've been there, preacher. You know we got grounds. No, he said, I mean, do you have a grudge? So she thought a minute and said, no, we have a carport. And then trying a different tactic, she said, no, like, does your husband beat you up? She said, no, I get up at 6 and, and he gets up at 7. The preacher said, well, I'm asking is, do you have a case? And she looked at him a little confused, said, without a beat, she just said, no, we got a John Deere. And finally, in, in exasperation, the priest said, ma'am, what I'm trying to ask you is this, are you and your husband having any troubles? And she said, oh, yes, preacher, we're having lots of troubles. Like what, asked the preacher. Well, said the wife, the problem is my husband, he just can't communicate. Amen. I love it. Amen. I'm the only one that laughs my own jokes. But anyway, 
And you know, the Bible says a merry heart doth good, and I think it's all right to smile in church once in a while. Matter of fact, it'll encourage the preacher. And uh, I, as I said, I got the greatest Valentine I ever got. I don't know why I told that joke right after I introduced y'all, but anyway. Um, uh, the, the greatest encouragement I had today was the prayer room being full, because it's been a long time. And folks, prayer is the key, and faith unlocks the door, as that old song by Jack Keyes says. And I tell you this, friend, I believe one of the most challenging things is to pray. And I believe, but it's the one, it's the most wonderful way to worship. So prayer is communion, com, uh, communion. It's also communication. I think you ought to listen once in a while, and you do that through God's Word and and meditation, day and night. But as we preach this morning, we ought to worship day by day. It should not be a religion; it ought to be a relationship. And the will of God is found day by day. Thank God. And uh, that's how you find the will of God. It's one step at a time. It's one day at a time. But in John chapter 4, I just want to read a few verses uh, and back up just a little bit. I want you to see something that's miraculous and so wonderful. In verse 19 of John chapter 4, the Bible says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. She's talking to Jesus. We have the privilege to talk to God through Jesus, led by the Spirit. The Trinity's wrapped up in prayer. In verse 20 it said, Our father worshipped in the mountains, mountain, and you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So she's talking about religion. And Jesus said to her, Woman, verse 21, you with me? Believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship you know not what. You know what we worship, where salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said unto him, praying to the Father, or to Jesus, and didn't even realize it. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. When's the last time you really communed with God? I think it's an intimate relationship we're talking about. And I want to preach tonight on what hindered this lady's fellowship and communion and what hinders every lady and every man that's ever got saved. And there's several hindrances to, to true worship. And one of the hindrances is this. The devil wants to try to keep you from praying. I'm talking about really praying. Not trying to impress people. A lot like I had the experience next to the graveside, freezing to death, with somebody preaching while they're praying. But I'm talking about intimate communication with the living God through Jesus by the Spirit. Let's pray before we begin. And I want you to turn to Genesis 3 for just a few moments. Father, thank you. And I say that 
sincerely as I can be for the Lord's Supper tonight. Lord, I missed it the months we didn't have it. I don't know why any Christian would not come back to the house of God tonight and take the Lord's Supper in remembrance of the only thing that could ever save them, and that's the death of Calvary, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for the greatest offering and the greatest altar Calvary has ever been erected. And thank you, dear God, for loving us enough to send your Son to pay the debt we could never pay. Lord, thank you that you paid it all. We're set free. And now we can communicate and worship you day by day in prayer. And Lord, thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the intimacy. Thank you, dear God, for listening. God, may our prayer life become more real than ever before, more precious than ever before. God, may we not neglect the place of prayer. All for your glory we pray. Amen. Now, on a normal Valentine's Sunday, I'd be preaching on marriage again because we can all use it. My wife said amen in sign language back there. But you know, as soon as one of the greatest verses in the Bible is written about marriage, and that's Genesis 2.24, I believe the greatest verse in the Bible is 1 Peter 3.7 about marriage. But the Bible says, And therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were na- both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now, continuing thought, Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he made unto the woman, yea, hath, he said unto the woman, yea, hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the Lord did not say that, Genesis 2.17. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that the was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, notice he was with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they were they sewed fig leaves together, first act of religion, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice in the, of the Lord God walking in the garden, in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the tree of the garden. And here's what I want to emphasize. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Where art thou? I want to talk about and preach about, not just give you a little talk, but I want to preach tonight on the hindrance of true worship. There's no area in the Christian life more assaulted by the enemy, 
misunderstood by the world, neglected by the believer, and adored by the Father than worship and prayer, or, or worshiping God through prayer. Uh, this is where faith is born, grace is experienced, <clears throat> strength is infused, power is injected, truth is illuminated, petitions are made, and answers are given. This is where the Christian life is won or lost in the prayer closet. It's no surprise then that Satan directs his deadliest and most distracting darts at the child of God who attempts to worship and pray and love God with all their heart. Such divine and holy praying has never been known that was experienced by Adam and Eve. The first man fashioned in God's image as un uniquely separated from all living creatures and that he found joy in his relationship with the Creator. And if prayer is the ultimate purpose, if, uh, it's of, of inter uninterrupted fellowship of God. Then Adam had beginning of time, from the beginning of time, uh, that which fallen humanity has lost, had such precious communion, unhindered communion. And Adam was the epitome of prayer and worship. All the earth was praying ground for Adam. Every word from his mouth was perpetual petition for his maker, ceaseless supplication. Think about it. Prayed without ceasing. It was the heartbeat of his existence to commune with God. No, folks, no such bliss and holy communion. No other soul in history had in prayer like Adam had. And then he lost it. And then he lost it. God first recorded a question. His first recorded question in the scriptures is in verse 9. Adam... Where art thou? And don't you think for a second that God did not know where he was at. God knows everything. And God knows you. He even knows the thoughts in your head right now. Some of you just changed channels. Hallelujah. We see, folks, in this verse that God comes seeking Adam. God knew exactly what had happened and he sought to not locate Adam physically but to clarify Adam's conscience that the reason for his guilt and his shame and his loneliness and his heartache that must have crept in his soul the moment they sinned. It's even amazing after they sinned, Adam blamed the woman and the woman blamed the serpent and they did the blame game. That's the way a lot of Baptists act. But I want to tell you something, folks. Adam's rebellion teaches the truth that the only way to pray to God is to live for God. It's not just our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I used to be the chaplain of Southeast uh, football team and several months I was the basketball team. I guess they didn't think I had anything to do on Friday night. And uh, they always wanted to say the Lord's Prayer. I said, no, we're not going to say it. They thought I was the meanest chaplain I ever said. I said, because all you'll do is recite it 
and then get out there on the court and cuss or fuss or at least second guess the referee. I said, we're going to pray. We're not reciting some prayer. You know, some people use prayers some kind of way to impress people. They get up and say, the God of Rehoboam, Jeroboam, and all those Boam boys, we're gathered here. Man, just, just talk to God and mean it. But I want to tell you something, friend. If you have sin in your life, you cannot talk to God. Psalm 66, 18 says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, he'll not hear you. So, uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2 says, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you and he will not hear. I don't want his face to be hid from me. I want to seek his face, and I want to pray, and I want to humble myself, and I want to turn from my wicked way that God could heal my heart, heal this nation, heal this country. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Thank God when the Lord God decided to restore Adam he slayed an innocent animal. He took the coat of that skin and, and put it around him. And folks, it was a picture of Calvary, amen? It's a picture of the blood that was shed. It's a picture of not vain religion as, as Cain tried to practice, but a sacrifice of blood to cover or tone our sins. And so tonight I want to close by saying, I like to close, I close and close and close. I've heard that before. I want, I want to close by saying this. There are several hindrances to prayer that I want you all to take to heart. And there's hindrance to prayer, thus there's hindrance to worship. But I want to say more important than that, there's hindrance to your communion. Because I want to tell you something, prayer is not just some list to Santa Claus. It's not a using God as a servant. You're the servant. And praise God, we are the child and we get to commune with the Holy Father, and I don't understand it how I get so busy sometimes I don't pray enough. We rush out in the day, and we just say, well, we throw up a flare prayer when we see a lady uh, drive through Doug Gap intersection up here, amen, about to hit us. Flare prayer. Oh, God, save me. We pray at the table. Everybody prays at the table. But sometimes we just don't pray. I want to just give you a few things real quick. Keys to answer prayer. Six keys. Number one, we need to pray in the name of Jesus. Look at John 14, 13 real quick. John 14, 13. I won't keep you long. Thank God. I, I, I appreciate the Lord's Supper tonight. I'd come just for that. Some churches don't even have preaching when they have the Lord's Supper. I, I think we'll have preaching no matter what. Amen. All the time. John 14, 13. I'm looking forward to in March having a series of sermons by Brother Jeremy Smith on why we believe the King James Bible. Amen. I think I'll take off of three or four Sunday nights. You know how long ago it's been since we've had that? Three years. He was out in the gym while this was being remodeled. I was talking to him. He wants to do something. I said, well, I'd like to hear that series again. How many would y'all like to hear it again? Say amen. I say a little louder, he's going to get a complex. How many would like to hear that series on the King James Version? Say amen. The King James Bible, amen. We need to pray in Jesus' name. John 14, 13 says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now there's the ultimate reason we pray, that God would get the glory. Say amen. 
Folks, that we're our lives would redound to the glory of God, that our lives would have the highest purpose on this earth, and that's to glorify God. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 7, you were created for his glory. That sums it up. And by the way, life begins at conception. Say amen right there. I got to preach it more than I ever have now. God help our nation. Don't get me started there. I saw that political look. But I want you to know, friend, we're in, we're in bad shape. What about the, the uh, what about the, well, I'm not going to say it. You must be born again to pray in Jesus' name. There's no other name that will give you authority to come to the throne of God than Jesus. When you say in Jesus' name, you're saying it's by his authority. It's by his blood. It's by his death. It's by his resurrection that we can enter in. But also, I believe that name means his approval. I'm representing his name. And folks, we don't, we don't represent our name. We're not trying to make a name for us when we pray. We come in Jesus' name saying we agree that this prayer will glorify your name, that it's part of your character, that the reputation of Jesus is at stake. And folks, we get off this selfishness in prayer. We ask to miss because we try to consume it upon our own lust. And folks, it just means the approval or character of God. In Jesus' name. When I first started the Christian life, I thought that was just the way to end a prayer because that's what everybody else did. In Jesus' name, before we say, came out. In Jesus' name, before we say. It's not a PS and it's not a salutation. It is not a closing. It is the whole reason we pray. Number two, we need to pray in the Spirit. We need to pray in the Spirit. You know, a lot of people think that praying in the Spirit's in some prayer tongue. Well, I have a problem with that because if you pray and you don't know what you're praying, how can you give God the credit and the glory when the prayer, when the answer's there? Amen? You're just going to make up that you prayed for that? Well, you claim everything. Amen? The next breath. But praying in the Spirit is such a precious privilege. The Bible says in uh, John chapter 14, verse 26, something about the office of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit of God makes prayer real and the Holy Spirit, folks, we ought to enter into the <clears throat> uh, warfare with uh, praying in the Spirit with all supplication and prayer for all saints. That's how the uh, full armor of God is ended in verse 18. Then he prays for soul winning power and soul winning opportunities. But in John chapter 16, <clears throat> 14, verse 26, uh, the Bible says this, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And folks, go over to Romans chapter 8. And we love to take Romans chapter 8, verse 28 out of context, but I like the context of it. And I like the truth of it. But in verse 26 of Romans chapter 8, we see this. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, but we know not what we ought to pray. For as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us. Folks, Jesus is intercessor to the Father, but we have an intercessor for us. It's the Holy Ghost. With groanings which cannot be uttered. That's not prayer tongues. It cannot be uttered. 
And he that searches the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's this whole series. Now look at verse 28. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, together is a key word, to them who are called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestine to be conformed to the image of his Son, that ye might be the firstborn among many brethren. That has nothing to do, Calvinists, with being saved in verse 29. That has everything to do with being sanctified. Once you're saved, you're predestined foreordained to be like Jesus. And God uses all things together. But I'm going to tell you what he also uses. He uses the Holy Spirit to guide and lead you to pray. He puts a prayer burden on your heart. Folks, I want to tell you something. He makes prayer real. It's not just some kind of recitation or some kind of oratorical ability that you pray, but you're really getting through to God. In other words, the Bible says the Spirit of God ushers you into the presence of God. And as He ushers you, He reveals to you some things because He knows God better than you know God. But let me say this, number two, He knows what God wants better than you know what God wants. He knows the will of God. And He knows what you need more than you know what you need. Say amen. Because if it's left up to most of us, we'd pray for sunshiny days and we definitely wouldn't pray for no pandemic. Amen. And we definitely would not pray for the president in this office that we have now. Would you? If you will, see me in the office afterwards. I got a little counseling for you. And I'm, I'm trying to be a little humorous there because some of y'all are uptight. And you're worried about our nation. And you got reason to. But we need to keep praying for God to wake up America. We definitely wouldn't pray for some worldwide pandemic. We wouldn't pray for COVID-19. God help us. I'm so tired of mass. I go to Walmart and I can't keep up with my wife because she I'm running out of wind. She, she, she charges in Walmart. Praise God. She can, she can lap around Walmart with a mask on. I'm sitting there saying, honey, I'll be up front on that steel bench by the bathrooms, praise God, praying for you while you, while you shop. I know we wouldn't pray for this. But you know something? The Spirit of God must have realized that we need some of this. I hate to say it and admit it, but maybe this is what it's going to take for us to get on our knees and pray for real revival. God's allowed it for some reason. Say amen. He's an all-knowing God. He's an all-powerful God. But I want to tell you something, folks. You'll never pray like you ought to pray until you get the Holy Spirit's authority and confirmation and leading and guiding in your prayer life. That's praying in the Spirit. He's the usher into the presence of God. And if you grieve and you quench the Spirit, then you have no help in your prayer life. And folks, if you're praying in the flesh, it profiteth nothing. It's abomination, the Bible says. And then thirdly, we need to pray in obedience. I've already given you the verse in Psalm 66, 18. If you regard iniquity in your heart, he'll not hear you. If you have sin in your life, you can't see him. You can't sense him. 
You can't see His face. You can't hear from heaven. And folks, that's why there is no little sin. And some people say, oh, that was just a little sin. you know. Folks, there's no little sin because every sin separates you from the power of worship, the power of prayer, holy communion with God. Look at John chapter 14. Look at verse 14 and 15. I've got to hurry. I try to preach short when we have the Lord's Supper. It never works out, but I've tried for these many years. But you know, the privilege of prayer, the power of prayer. Thank God, friend, I'm glad that the Christian life is a life where God guides us and leads us into His presence. I'm glad we can walk with Him and talk with Him. I'm glad we can listen to Him. I'm glad this Christian life is a spiritual life. Say amen. It says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's a Valentine's verse. I was trying to find one. If you love me, keep my commandments. Folks, listen, stop saying you, you love God if, you don't, if, you don't, if you're not obedient. Folks, we need to be obedient. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it's even more pungent. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, write this down. Uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, And whatsoever you ask, you receive of him because you keep his commandments. And listen, and you do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Wow. It says, whatsoever things you ask, you receive if you keep his commandments, but also if you please him. And folks, there's only one way to please him, and that's through the Spirit, not through the flesh. The flesh profiteth nothing. Number four, moving right along. We need to pray in the will of God. We need to walk in an intimate fellowship. Adam lost a lot. Eve lost a lot. The walk with God, the fellowship with God, the intimacy of God, they were then, now they were on the run. They were trying to hide themselves uh, with their uh, works, their religious fig leaves. And, and God said, Adam, where art thou? It was a tragic day when Adam and Eve fell out of fellowship with God. It's a tragic day when you fall out of fellowship with God. We need to pray in the will of God. We need to walk with an intimate fellowship. And folks, in order to, to know the will of God and obey the will of God and enjoy the will of God, you need to know the Word of God. This is the will of God. Let's just make it real simple. This is the will of God for your life. And until you obey the revealed will of God, He's not going to personally lead you. You need to walk in the light that He's given you before He'll give you more light. I wouldn't make a decision out of the will of God. I wouldn't make a move. Some people are down in the valley out of the will of God and they make these major decisions like they get married or something. And be in the will of God before you make that kind of decision. Say amen. There's a strong, powerful verse about this. Every time I read it, I get under Holy Ghost conviction. I want you to turn to Proverbs 28, verse 9. I want you to look at this. I want you to circle it. 
It's just a it's just a powerful proverb. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. You know, you can't use God as emergency rations. You just can't call on God anytime you get ready. Some people call on God like 911. It's pathetic. They think they can just ring up God. Folks, you better be a part of a prayer chain if you're out of the will of God because I'm going to tell you something. God will not answer your prayer. He will not answer your prayer. There is a condition to the promise that he'll answer your prayer. And Proverbs 28 verse 9 says this. Listen to it real real clearly. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be an abomination. I want to repeat that pungent warning. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be an abomination. You know what that means? It makes God sick. It's a a stench in his nostrils when you pray and you turn from hearing the true word of God. And so folks, listen, you can leave this church if you want to. And listen, you can stop listening to the word of God if you want to. And you can stop reading your Bible every day if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something. It'll cut you off just as Adam and Eve was cut off out of the communion and fellowship and intimacy of God, and your prayers will not be answered. God help parents stay right with God in these, in these days. God help teachers stay right with God in these days. God help preachers to stay right in these days. I'm so convicted that I need to stay right or I'm not going to be a blessing. I've had the privilege of spending Valentine's Day with three of my grandchildren. Oh, they've been so good. And oh, has Mimi stuffed them with candy. Carson, the other night, pulled a tooth, had blood everywhere. I said, glory to God, what are you doing, son? It's just one that we just adopted. I didn't adopt it. Uh, Trenton. Stephanie adopted. If they had their choice, they'd have all of Forsyth County in their house. Praise the Lord. She's got a heart of gold. And I said, well, you really have been blessed tonight because this is the place to lose a tooth. I promise you. Next morning he wakes up. Y'all can just condemn this if you want to, but the tooth fairy visited. Wasn't me, brother. Because he was going, he come through the kitchen waving a $10 bill. And he said this, Papa, that's what he calls me, and he should, Papa, I think I'll rip the rest of my teeth out. (laughs) Woo! I said, glory to God, I hope nobody else loses a tooth in in this house. But it's been sweet fellowship. Been a good time. And I want to tell you something, friend. I'd hate not to be on speaking terms with my grandchildren if they wouldn't speak to me. And I'll tell you, worse yet, I'd hate to spend Valentine's fussing and fighting with my wife and her not speaking to me and I'm not speaking to her. You ever been through that? The rest of you come to the altar for lying. Every one of you have had a time where you didn't feel like speaking to her. Matter of fact, you didn't even listen to her or him. I'm going to say this, friend. Your prayers are an abomination to God if you don't have the proper respect for the Word of God and hear the Word of God, love the Word of God, and obey the Word of God. Don't take this preaching 
and don't take this worship and don't take your Bible study and don't take your communion time, your quiet time, loud time, whatever you call it, for granted. It is a time where you listen to God and where you hear from God and you walk with God and then you can ask what you will, but it's really you'll ask what he will. You don't get a hold of God's reluctance, you get a hold of God's willingness and he will bless you to be a blessing. Amen. There's no greater blessing to be a blessing. Psalms 1, 1 through 3. It's like a tree planted by the rivers of life, waters. And so folks, prayer is not bending God's will to fit our will. It's not talking to God, talking God into doing something that God ordinarily wouldn't do. All prayer is finding the will of God and getting in on it. Finding the will of God and getting in on it. Number five, this was dealt with this morning in Sunday school very appropriately and very powerfully. We need to pray in fellowship one with another. That's why I like that prayer room back there. That's why I like to share burdens. That's why I like to pray as a church. That's why I like Wednesday night prayer meetings. It's got a little slack lately. Folks, when you're out of fellowship with one someone, you're out of fellowship with God. Matthew chapter 5 talks about worship, verse 23 and 24. It says, when you remember that a brother's got it all against you, not you got it all against them, they got it all against you, leave your gift and go and make it right with them and then offer your gift of worship. Everybody mistranslated and says, well, I got it all against them, I better get it straight. No, it says, if you know somebody that's got it all against you, you probably caused it, so you better get it right, amen. But I love this verse in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. If you take it out of context, which most preachers do, and I have, we just say it's a sin not to pray. But folks, I want to tell you why it's a sin to pray like this. Because you're not getting your prayers through. I'm talking about 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. Look at it with me. Samuel was being kicked out. They wanted to replace the leadership of God and be like other nations, you know. And uh, they were they were trying to they were trying to uh, uh, get them a king. They wanted a tall one. They wanted a handsome one. They wanted one that. Uh, could rule them like other nations. And Samuel said, hey, listen, God's leading this place, and, and I'm your leader. I'm, I'm the prophet. And in chapter 12 of verse 23, in verse 23, it says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. But I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart for consider how great things he has done for you. Folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to pray for people that hurt us. We ought to pray for people that reject us. And God forbid that we sin against God not praying for those that we don't like, that we don't agree with. You are commanded to pray for your president. You ought to pray for him every day to get saved. Amen. Folks, you ought to pray for your congressman and your 
leadership, especially in Georgia. West Virginia is probably better. But I'm telling you what, friend, we have elected some people that say they're reverends and preachers and they believe in abortion. There's something's not right in Denmark or Georgia on that, say amen. Don't get me started again because I'll run the rest of you off. But I'm telling you, God help us. God help us to pray for those we don't agree with. God help us to pray for those that hurt us. It's hard to pray for people who don't like us. It's, hey, it's lovely to pray for people that hug you and take you out to lunch on Sunday morning. But it's hard to pray for those that turn their head and go out the other door. And I'm not talking about recently because I know you all got masked on. And I wouldn't know if you was mad if you were. That's one good thing about those things. God forbid, Samuel said, that I don't pray for you even though you're rejecting my leadership. You're hurting me and you're hurting God. And he says, only fear God and serve Him because He's been so good. Pray for your enemies. You'll heap coals of fire upon their head. And then last but not least, we need to pray believing. We need to pray believing. Hebrews 11.6 is one of the greatest definitions of prayer in the Bible. For it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God except by faith. Coming to Him. Coming to Him. That's prayer. That's communion. Don't break that communion. Don't break that intimacy. Don't break that worship. I believe for you it should ask for anything. You ought to just praise Him a while and thank God for Him. And just thank God for what he's done and thank God for who he is. Say amen. And then you might even forget your long list, hallelujah. It's all right to have a list. You better have a list. Especially for things that man can never do. It says it's impossible to please God except by faith coming to him, believing that he is, and a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Have faith. Get out of your comfort zone. Get in the altar and pray for a miracle. Don't pray for the normal. Pray for a miracle. Take a chance. Get hurt. And you will get hurt if you try to help people say amen. You'll get terribly let down. All of you that's pastored say amen right there, Brother Steve. Brother, You'll get hurt. And so stay out of the ministry if you're a wimp because I'm telling you, friend, you will get hurt. We need to pray for those that hurt us. We need to be a conviction by not answering back an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. We need to love them. Romans chapter 12 says, well, to heap coals of fire upon their head. And they have conviction of the love of God because of your love towards them. I love Mark chapter 11, verse 24. That'll be the last verse I'll read. I like to preach expository, but that sometimes topical is all right too. John R. Rice was one of the greatest topical preachers I ever heard. Look at um, Mark chapter 11, please. Let me love the Lord, say amen. And I love that he listens. And I love that we can walk with him and talk with him. He said we can be his friend. We can be his son. I'm not going to take the liberty and call him daddy, but I sure... Love him as my father, which art in heaven. 
Mark chapter 11, verse 24. I sure appreciate y'all coming tonight. You've been an encouragement to my soul, the way you listen. It says, therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. <laughs> verse 25 goes back to the next to the last point. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive. You have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you and your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Amen. You cut yourself, you burn a bridge you're going to need. As taught in Sunday school this morning, folks, we need to forgive like God forgives. It just seems like yesterday that the evangelist announced his topic for Thursday night, how to win your loved ones to the Lord. I went home after the Wednesday night revival meeting. I said, Mom, we got to go to this one. Deb was drinking every night of the week. Deb was getting arrested before he got home. Deb was losing his check, his money. It's Aero Sheet Metal Works. We were hungry a lot of times. I'm not trying to make up some pity party. That's just the way you live as a son of a drunk. And I said, Mom, we got to go to this meeting. The preacher's announced that he's going to teach us and preach to us on how to win our loved ones to the Lord. And so I finally talked my mother into it, but she was very reluctant and said, you know we can't leave Daddy. You know he'll burn the house up or something. You know he'll fall and break his neck. i got to stay here and babysit him. And she said it disgustingly. I said, Mom, let's take a chance. Let's go to the meeting tonight. Let's just find out what we can do. And the evangelist took Romans chapter 12, I believe it was around verse 20, and said that you shouldn't fight back and fuss back, which we were doing, and preach back as I was doing every night. But you ought to heap coals of fire of love upon your loved one's heart. Boy, we went to the altar. We prayed for Daddy. Oh, we prayed together, me and my mom and my sister. We said, dear God, help us be a loving witness to Daddy. We drove up in the parking lot or the uh, driveway. Sure enough, there was smoke coming out the back windows of the house. I made my way into the house, and my Daddy had passed out, smoking, drunk. Passed out. Couch was almost on fire, but it was smoking really bad. He had already passed out, and I got Daddy to the window and got him, I thought, breathing again. And me and my little asthmatic mama took that old couch. I can still remember the singe and the smell of that smoke, Brother Steve. We took it to the back porch. It was about five or ten, maybe twelve steps down, and we took that old couch and we threw it over the rail. I can remember the thud of that couch and all the neighbors coming around looking at that couch on fire in the park, right in the, by the house in the driveway in front of two cars. We sat down for a second before we went to check on Daddy and Mother started crying and says, I told you, I told you we shouldn't went to that revival. I said, no, Mom. God told us to forgive him and then we can pray for him. And God told us to love him 
and then we can demonstrate that God still loves him. And we had prayer, went back in and put him to bed, carried him to bed, as I did often, carried my daddy to bed. Months passed, maybe a couple of years, if I recall. Every time he slapped, we loved. Every time he cussed, we loved. Not every time, we tried. Every time he passed out on his plate and embarrassed us, we loved. We just kept on loving. We checked each other on love. We said, now listen, we need to love him. We need to ask God to love him through us. And I'll never forget the last night I was preaching <clears throat> at Wesley Hills Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. The place was packed because they were glad to see me go. No, they were, they were honoring me, I guess. I was going down to Claxton, the fruitcake capital of the world be a youth pastor, full-time ministry. And I remember I was preaching to a full house, but I was preaching to one man sitting one, two, three, four, five rows back. I'll never forget it. My mother set him on the inside, and I preached the whole book of Matthew, some things I was sure of and some things I wasn't sure of. I just preached. But I preached in love. And I'll never forget it. I went back to the preacher's pew. We had pews back then. We used to have one of those. And uh, I started praying, oh God, save my daddy. And oh God, let him sing 47 verses of just as I am. I don't care. Just keep on singing. Keep on praying. Oh God, please save my daddy. I can't go down to South Georgia and try to win all these young people, Lord, and leave my mama living in this. But Lord, I know that's the wrong motive. And God changed the motive right on the spot and said, for God's glory, save my daddy. By the time I prayed that, somebody tapped me on the shoulder while I was praying. It was my preacher. And he said, Wayne, your daddy's down at the altar. And he wants you to lead him to the Lord. Your mother's down there rededicating her life. I said, what in the world has she got to rededicate her life for? I thought she was next to God. And I remember I ran around there. I got my Bible out and I said, Daddy, the Bible says all is sin and comes short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is, he said, Son, I got enough tracks to wallpaper the house. I know what we got to do. Let's get to the chase. <laughs> I said, Okay, Daddy, let's just pray. We prayed. He asked the Lord to come in his life and he publicly confessed his faith in the Lord and I traveled on down to Claxton, Georgia the next day happy, thankful borrowed my wife's car we got married three months later after four years of dating and I got a ticket on I-16 I was so happy <laughs> Amen. I tried to talk about it I said hey listen my daddy got saved last night he didn't care who got saved he gave me a ticket first day on the ministry got a ticket and I remember, I remember he got real sick a couple years later, dying of cirrhosis of the liver, pancreatic cancer at the same time. And I spent a lot of time with him. But on that Sunday, I was in this storefront up here. I didn't have nobody to preach for me. They called me about 2 o'clock and said, your daddy's dying. Come on back down. And I remember I ran, I mean, I got in my car. I finally found some guy at Tennessee Temple. 
And he preached the craziest message on where's the beef. It was probably a good message. I'm still friends with him. He's over in Sandersville. And um, I got to the hospital, and when I got to the hallway, my my um, brother-in-law waved his hand, and I knew he had already passed into heaven. I went in the room, and there was a sheet over him. There was a bunch of nurses there. I said, tell me about it. And they said, well, first of all, he lined up all those precious black nurses in the cab hospital, and they sang Amazing Grace to him because he asked them to. And then he said, please read Psalms 23 to me. And they got down to, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. They said he took one breath and went into the presence of God. That's sure a lot better than dying on the side of the road in a drunken stupor. Sure is better than dying in a prison. And I remember I preached his funeral and I remember God the Holy Spirit brought to my mind that we just loved him and that we stayed on praying ground and that we could have been a stumbling block. But thank God my mother, who stayed with him through thick and thin for many, many years, loved him unconditionally and he got saved. I mean, he's in heaven. And so, folks, you can get even if you want to. Or you can worship the living God. And when you walk in the room, God walks in with you. And when you witness, God says, Amen. The Holy Spirit, Amen's your witness. And when you live the Christian life, He lives through you. And that's worship. Father, bless the message. Use it for your glory. I know I shouldn't preach this long, but praise God. I hadn't shared my daddy's testimony in a while and just felt like this would be a blessing to someone that's about to give up on somebody that they need to keep praying for and they need to keep on praying ground for and they need to worship you and love you and not have their prayers or their worship hindered. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, I gave you six keys, but the key is Jesus. And the key is the Holy Spirit. There's no formula. It's Him. There's no road map. It's Him. While we stand to our feet, maybe you'd like to quietly come to the altar and join these that's come and pray for a loved one that's not right with God. Pray for a lost person that you know is going to hell if they don't get saved. That ought to be an urgent need in your heart to pray for them. There ought to be a heartbrokenness for every loved one that's out of the will of God tonight that didn't come to the house of God tonight that didn't listen on the on the internet tonight and just hard-hearted and cold-hearted listen we got time to pray and maybe some of you need to come get back on praying ground you got a you got a grudge against somebody or somebody's got a grudge against you you need to make that thing right because it ain't worth being cut off from the power of God and the presence of God why don't you come tonight? The altar's full, but you can make this front row an altar. Come on. We'll not be long, but we'll be long enough. And praise God, I'm, I'm tired of people trying to clock Jesus around here. What we need to do is just be still and know that he's God and tarry for revival and pray for revival. God wants to use you tomorrow, day by day. He wants you to worship him. That when you go to work, you're in his presence that you're led by the Spirit, that you're empowered by the Spirit, that you're worshiping God. 
and he's verifying your life to be a blessing. Come on, somebody else, before we pray. We'll close in prayer while these are praying at the altar. Don't rush. If somebody needs to rededicate their life. I'm so glad I got right with God so I could be a witness to my daddy because I was full of myself. And I was feeling sorry for myself that I had to live in that junk. That wasn't the right motive for living. What I needed to do is glorify God. And he got glorified when my daddy got saved. Hallelujah. And I'm going to shout hallelujah the rest of my life that he got in and he got saved. Our fathers, we close the service in prayer. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. We thank you, dear God, for the strict warnings about hindrances to communion. God, help us not to have an alt against a brother or a brother has an alt against us. Help us to get it right because it's not worth not having our prayers answered for the ones that we love so much. God, give us faith. Holy Spirit, guide us in the will of God escort us into the presence of God Lord thank you that all things work together to make us more like you God help us to respond in faith when things are falling apart help us not to falter and help us to live for you help us to be obedient God help us to be willing servants God help us to be ambassadors and witnesses in these last days God help us see our prayers answered not for our list to be completed but God that you might get the redounding glory from our life is our prayer in Jesus name